Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. For 25 years, Seth Lightman has seen it all. From the newest electric car revolution, solar power, bike lanes made in NYC. And now we are here. More electric cars, need for more renewables and eco-friendly products in our world. Well, now it's time for an all-out podcast for this time. You're listening to The Green Living Guy Show. He's funny, real, exactly on point. And some think his style is so raw, it's crazy. Let's do this, folks. It's time for The Green Living Guy Show with Seth Lightman. What's up, everybody? It's Green Living Guy. It is a beautiful day out here. It's a little cold over here in New York, but, you know, it's spring is coming, and so is Earth Day, folks. So we have three guests, not just one like we usually do. We got three, all to talk about nothing but Earth Day because they're from EarthDay.org. This is amazing. Gentlemen, why don't you introduce yourself and tell me what all you do. And we'll start from, if you guys can see the uh, Brady Bunch squares, we'll start from <laughs> right and we'll go down, then left and, and, and right. So the gentleman in the black shirt goes first. <laughs> yes. Hi, uh, Seth. Thank you so much for having us here, first off. Um, yeah, my name is Michael Carpedian. I run the uh, Great Global Cleanup at EarthDay.org. Um, and that is a uh, worldwide campaign to rid the environment of waste and plastic pollution for good. We do that primarily through cleanups and also a lot of advocacy. And um, when Aiden talks, he can talk a little bit more of what we're doing with, you know, INC and all the other great stuff we're doing with the UN. So, Aiden, I'll hand it to you, man. <laughs> all right. And now we got the gentleman here with the lovely jacket. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my name is Aiden Sharon. I'm the Canopy Project Coordinator, as well as the End of Plastics Coordinator at EarthDay.org. So I handle our reforestation efforts globally oh, and oh. in the U.S. And then our plastic policy centered around what the U.N.'s doing and then what state and local governments are doing, as well as other countries. All right. And we'll clean up batting <laughs> here in the batting order. We got the gentleman in the white shirt. You're next. <laughs> Hey there, everyone. For those listening, at least I'm giving you colors and, and, and uh, jackets, so you get an idea of what's going on. So, you're next. <laughs> yeah, always happy to clean up both here and on Earth Day, of course. That's right. Wow, we we got to do good. it. That was good. <laughs> I'm Evan Raskin. I'm our uh, national campaign manager for EarthDay.org. Uh, my job is oh, wow. to really be able to unite the stakeholders from all backgrounds, Let's make sure that everybody has a place within the Earth Day movement and support all of our campaigns, whether those be volunteer oriented, advocacy oriented, or getting the word out about the best ways that everyone can make a difference, whether you're an individual corporation, a government leader, uh, or anyone else on this island Earth of ours. Well, ladies and gentlemen, viewers of all humankind, we have some serious heavy hitters here from Earth Day. As we're heading into Earth Day next month and Earth Month, 
I jokingly call that between March and May, sometimes April to June, but usually March to May is like my Super Bowl region time. So uh, it's it's going down, folks. So uh, tell me, uh, and you can start at whatever popcorn order you want, but uh, some of the things that you want the listeners to take away from today. So one of the biggest takeaways, of course, right, is to log on to earthday.org and find out what's happening in your community. Uh, we work with thousands of event organizers all over the world to make sure that there's an opportunity in as many communities as possible for you to really get out there and give back to this planet. Uh, we're going to have millions of people um, in over 192 countries coming out to really be part of the environmental movement in a meaningful way. And we want people to know that this isn't just a single day. Earth Day isn't the end-all, be-all of the environmental movement, but rather a moment in time that folks can reflect on what's been working well for them um, over the last year when it comes to sustainability and where does more time, resources, and effort need to be dedicated towards investing in our planet. That's our theme, by the way, invest in our planet. Every stakeholder knows exactly how their actions make a difference not just in terms of supporting ecology, biodiversity, and climate, but also contribute to humanity taking the best path forward to prosperity. Um, and we're already seeing that today. Um, the leaders that have invested in our planet over the last decade are already better positioned for a happier, healthier, and wealthier future for their constituents. Um, it's amazing to really start to see that come into focus as we enter 2023, there's a lot of work to be done, uh, but those who have already been on board are already seeing some success. And so this Earth Day, we're seeing a lot of that from our elected leaders, especially. Um, we're working with ICLE, also known as Local Governments for Sustainability, to get mayors of cities around the world to be planning Earth Day stock take events for their communities, um, in which just like how we want each and every individual so take stock of their environmental progress. We're having these elected leaders codify that in stone, um, determining what areas of the Paris Agreement are they on track to be able to hit by 2030 and which areas do they need to dedicate more resources. That way we can see implementation in the here and now and make sure that our localities where climate action really is implemented are on board for a carbon neutral future as soon as possible. That's great. Um, yeah, my community, my village, for example, I'm a member now of my local sustainability committee, and we started looking at the list of things that uh, New York State offers uh, through the, their most recent program, but like for local uh, community innovation or community cleanup or community things to do to go greener uh, that we've been doing a lot already, uh, but a lot of communities aren't. And uh, your leadership and guidance is going to help drive them toward a cleaner, more sustainable town, village, county, municipality, whatever their jurisdiction is. So anything you're doing will be great. In fact, I'd love to get um, some stuff from you guys for my Earth Day that we're having here. You know, just uh, and people that are listening too. if you're making your own Earth Day, you've got the people right here that are making it happen. So, um, you know, listen up for what, how we can contact these people so that you can make a, 
more of a positive difference in your own little community there, which is great. And Evan and raised, yes, you have a question? <laughs> uh, not so much a question as um, I have the, the solution here for you. Um, Bring it. As you mentioned, Seth, um, there's a lot of folks in the audience who are really starting up Earth Day in their own communities. Yeah. And that's something that we really encourage. Um, as much as there are opportunities that already exist, we want every person um, in the audience um, globally to understand that there's the potential for them to be a leader alongside us as well. Um, and that we try to break down those barriers to getting involved while uplifting the benefits as much as possible. Um, and in fact, uh, Michael can help speak to this as uh, we designed this resource together. But one of the easiest ways to be an environmental leader is to plan a cleanup for your community. Uh, Michael, you want to speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm definitely going to plug my my own campaign here. Um, okay. What's great about uh, cleanups, because I run the Great Global Cleanup, um, what's great about cleanups is that literally anyone can do them. And they are um, one of the quintessential activities that people do on Earth Day. Yeah. And what's awesome about them is that you know, it may not sound like it on paper, but doing cleanups is a ton of fun. You just grab your friends, family, anyone you, you want, really. Just go out uh, wherever there's trash. And the unfortunate part is that there's really trash everywhere. So, Always. yeah, it's not hard to find a spot. No. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, doing cleanups is is awesome. And um, I'll, I'll tell you some more resources, how you get involved doing cleanups with Earth Day. But, um, you know, something that I think is really special about cleanups especially is uh, – you know, when I first started doing cleanups um, for Earth Day, I, I did it as an internship and um, I hadn't done cleanups before then. And when I started doing them, that's when I realized how much trash is everywhere. And um, I my entire life, I just turned a blind eye to it because I just accepted that as the norm. And so when I started doing those cleanups, it was really eye opening to see how much of it is everywhere, but also how we can actually make an impact to it um through our actions what like with with these local cleanups and uh, what i think is really special is that through these cleanups people start to see like this is a huge and serious issue and um, a lot of people start turning into huge um activists you know for the earth in many other ways um and so yeah cleanups are, are definitely special and um if you're looking for an activity to do on earth day that's probably my favorite. So, yeah. <laughs> so <go to> that. <laughs> in Absolutely. fact, uh, in my local uh, committee here, we do, we have, when we have events, we have, uh, I think we have four of them every year and we literally call it stash the trash. Oh, like, uh, like we have that. four of those <laughs> cleanups. So, and men uh, or ladies, uh, the amount of bags, orange, uh, I will call them Department of Transportation or DOT bags that are usually used as cleanup for uh, uh, highway cleanups. But my gosh, the amount of bags after every given cleanup shows that we have so much cleanup to do because uh, there's only so many people that join. There's only so many bags they can carry, you know, and all that stuff. But wow, it uh it's a perfect outlet for Earth Day, to say the least. Definitely. And um, yeah, and that's like because cleanups are super important and they uh, they absolutely, you know, are needed to solve this issue. Um, but the reason we have Aiden on our call today <laughs> is because it is such Shoot a me in there. Issue. Um, 
it is such a systematic was issue. Was that a soccer that kick over there? Was it was. Like, it was. It was, it was, was a good that's one. Punt kick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, every cleanup is is a kick right to Aiden's campaign. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we uh, our our whole goal is to make sure that um when we clean up a place, it's cleaned up in perpetuity, right? No one wants to have to keep going out to the same site over and over again. And as great as it is to be able to get out there and immediately make a difference towards a cleaner and safer environment, we want to make sure that that's a lasting impact. And that's where Aiden really comes in as our advocacy specialist on plastics. So um, Aiden, you want to let the audience know a little bit more about um, how we want to make a difference in the long run when it comes to this issue? Yeah, so I guess my job is kind of to put Michael out of the job and get rid of cleanups eventually. Um, that's the Michael, end goal. You're on, you're on the block. You're on the chopping <laughs> block. It looks like, like you know, you know, you're gonna have to fend for your life right now. But go ahead. Uh, I want to work ourselves out of a job. But <laughs> so, policy and advocacy is kind of at the core of Earth Day. Dot Orange Mission. Um, organization tries to give voices to smaller groups that may not have the capacity to participate in international policy like we do. Um, so EDO is willing to use its large global network to gather those ideas from smaller communities, from smaller NGOs, from smaller people that just want to participate and just get them involved in international things like the International Plastics Treaty that Michael kind of mentioned at the start of our call. Um, so currently, starting back in March of last year, a treaty started going around, a talks for a treaty started going around to ban plastics globally set up similar to kind of the Paris Agreement is the closest thing people kind of latch on to. I mean, yep. for the next year and a half or so, there's talks to kind of get this going. And our job is to make sure that it's actually something that can be enforced and something that will hold countries and corporations accountable for the amount of waste they're producing. And with that, put Michael out of the job. <laughs> I mean, look, guys. I know it's a big, t- it's a tough economy, but come on, let's not throw people under the bus. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm regarding plastics. I remember when I got this book from uh, an author. Uh, it was called Plastics: A Toxic Love Story, and it basically talks about all of the toxicity involved in plastics, uh, not just creating it, but then once you dump it and where you throw it, and then and it's leaching uh, and all the, the, the horrible things. And then the microplastics that we're now dealing with. Um, it's great to see, which I do see on Instagram regularly, the great ocean cleanup. But we still have a lot more to do than just the, uh, the big plastic island that's out there in the middle of the ocean, uh, which is causing, of course, major issues. But we do have our communities, our highways, our uh, bridges are 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 streams. Um, people like to do the little flickeroo, you know? yeah. <laughs> they say so. Um, you know, we need to. Uh, if there's anything, folks, that uh, not that the the listeners will be doing this, but stop doing the flickeroo out the window there <laughs> with your uh, with your bottle when you're done. You know, you can recycle it. You can do a lot of other things, but uh, let, let's not do the flickeroo, or I might have to flickeroo back on you. <laughs> Yeah, we just keep learning more and more about those health issues associated with plastics, whether it's the production of them in areas like Cancer Alley in Louisiana or even the most recent stuff we're seeing in East Palestine, Ohio, with the vinyl chloride spilling in. Yep. I mean, we're not going to know the effects of that for 10 or 20 years. Like, obviously, we can see 
Yeah, yeah we see there's effects of it currently, but it's not going to become a huge issue until down the road when people start developing cancers and other mystery oh, yeah. diseases. Yeah. yeah, the thing is, is that... Um, it's not just these disaster areas um, that Aiden just mentioned either. Um, and uh, we don't want to scare anyone, but I mean, this is something that affects the entire globe, right? Um, from yes. the tallest mountains to the deepest oceans and inside pretty much all of our bodies. Uh, and yeah. so anything that just speaks to the immediacy of this issue. Um, I asked Aiden for some advice on the best way to frame um, the plastics issue recently. <laughs> And um, something that really resonated with me that you said was that this is one of these issues that we have the opportunity to stymie it now. But if we don't get out ahead of it, this could be an issue that rivals climate as something that has a, an extreme impact on global Earth systems and especially human health. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. All levels of action need to be taken. Um, we all have a part to do, and the easiest way is um, to avoid the flickeroo, right? Um, and <laughs> we can um, instill that kind of behavior change in people. That's step one. And um, if people are committed to just not littering, then it makes it easy to get them out to clean up and do a little bit more than just for themselves. And yep. we keep elevating that action, keep helping people take that next step, be more of an advocate. Uh, and I think we're starting to see a lot of really good global awareness. We're starting to hit that. Um, tipping point towards decisive action on a global scale. Um, Aiden, I know you've been tracking this really well, um, but we've seen like an outpouring of global support and legislation over the last few months. Um, where have you been like most inspired when it comes to these countries taking real action on single-use plastics? So the EU takes pretty strong stances against plastics, which is really great to hear. Um, there's a few countries I won't name directly that have been lacking. Um, due to how much they invest in the petrochemical industry. America. Sorry, I had something stuck <laughs> in my throat. I'm sorry. You know, that, we're getting over COVID. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, go ahead. I, go ahead. I didn't say that. You said that. Um, <laughs> America. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Rwanda and Peru have actually led the charge on standing up to the plastics industry. Uh, they're two countries that don't happen to have as much money as some other countries, and they get the brunt effects of the plastic and petrochemical industries. Yeah. So they're, they're leading the charge, and we can kind of follow suit and follow what advice they can give us. They're, whatever is happening to them now is going to happen to us in five years. So. Okay. Let me ask a question, which is something that I've noticed in Europe that I'm not noticing in the United States that might help. I could be wrong. I've heard that the bounty for anything to recycle in Europe or in other countries is not a nickel, but a quarter. So uh, isn't there a need in the, in the <coughs> to, um, to jump that bounty from a nickel to a quarter or to at least start that process so that we could start getting uh, more incentivized collection going on? Yeah, and that does happen. I think New York is actually one of the main leaders in that process. They're kind of upping the payback rate for recyclables. I believe Oregon is following suit, and Colorado are some of the strongest leaders in this. And then California always implements some sort of great policy, and with that, other countries, other states, sorry, follow. Yeah, um, I mean, I just know that, you know, 
four bottles then equal a dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I know that there's a supermarket that's near me actually that uh, during your checkout will allow you to recycle your bottles right there at the register. So we need to start getting into the business of using plastic bottles as almost a form of currency is I think the, the next yeah. real move here. Well, if plastic yeah. bottles are the new currency, then I'm hoping to go broke. Um, <laughs> I, I really like to see a, a world where um, we don't even have these bottles. Um, oh, we I, don't need them, but we got yeah. plenty of them, folks. So recycling so, is not the end-all, be-all answer. No. Uh, so many countries are starting to take a look at what we can do to just move beyond plastics. Um, seeing some of these countries um, in the EU, Canada, India take actions to limit what items can be made out of plastic. I think that's really inspiring. And um, not too long ago at all, there was a world in which we were able to get by with a lot of these consumer goods made out of something else. Um, yeah. And I think that world is still relevant today. So what what would you foresee then um, our consumer-based um, corporations doing that, uh, say you like fries with that, for example, uh, uh, what are some of the ways that we could think about not using plastic on a regular basis by corporations? Well, <laughs> invest in alternatives, invest in our planet. I mean, it's our EarthDay.org's theme for this year. It should be every corporation's theme every year. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's really there's um i because uh evan you made a good point it was not too long ago i mean this plastic issue is really like 70 80 years old oh, is when we really started this and it was not too long ago and we've grown i mean plastics i we have to give credit where credit is due plastics have been extremely helpful but at this point it's an addiction to them yeah. um and yeah. we have to be able to kick this addiction i think that comes from a lot of you know, investing in our planet, like our motto is, um, but a, a lot of entrepreneurship too, and, and creative solutions. And there's a lot of startup companies and people who are trying to like find these alternative solutions that work with the systems we've built. Um, but it does come from behavior change. And, you know, I mean, even a few years ago, I, I would be the guy who would take a plastic water bottle wherever I went. And now I just, now it's just a habit to use a reusable water bottle. Exactly. Same. That. Same. Yeah. yeah. I love when I go to the gym now and I'm able to use the uh, LK <clears throat> reusable water thing when I'm just like, tink, and then it counts how many bottles have been saved. I, mean, it's just, uh, I love seeing I asked, that rack up. <laughs> I asked my yeah. fiance to install one in our apartment and she said no. <laughs> but I'll try again. <laughs> Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Just make sure you keep the ring on, boss. <laughs> but um, uh, have you guys started working with, which I know is another um, plastics addicted based industry, um, but just as a throw out as an idea here, I didn't mean throw out like the bottle, but um, the healthcare industry. The amount of plastics that are regularly used in the healthcare industry is becoming a massively uh, prevalent toxic issue as well. So, um, I mean, everything they're using is toxic, you know, like plastic, and then they throw it out. So um, that's definitely another place to to take the challenge, per se, and go head on with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think in certain circumstances, um, there are opportunities to increase use of glass um, in that mm -hmm. space. 
Uh, I'm obviously sanitation is one of the most important things to healthcare, and so making sure that the alternatives are used are something that allows for products to stay clean um, yep. is really important. And it's a place where we also need to see a good amount of innovation. Which, as Michael mentioned, I think there's some really exciting developments um, really across all areas in which plastics are being used um, in this regard. Um, lately, I've been really stoked on uh, mycelium-based plastic alternatives um, and the ways that we can replace a lot of um, foams with this mushroom-based material. It's biodegradable uh, and can phase out some of the plastics that are most notorious for both being hard to recycle and also incredibly um, the word fragmentary, um, as in they break apart really easily in the environment, ah, makes remediation yep. next to impossible. And so if we can replace those with a sustainable biodegradable material, then we'll be able to solve a problem that poses a huge issue to our recycling infrastructure as well as ecological and human health. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a massively huge issue. So anything that we could do to resolve plastic use, uh, especially coming up with innovative I'll call them innovative plastics or uh, greener plastics uh, will be really helpful in the future because they can biodegrade, they could uh, compost, you know, they could do things that uh, you would never thought of with plastic, like composting it or something. So, Seth, um, I, I like that you brought up specifically composting plastics because I got a bone to pick with those. Um, I think that the idea of compostable um, materials is really yeah. great, but I think that there's been a bit of um, misleading information when it comes to both uh, the public and the retailers of these materials uh, when selling them to businesses. Okay, tell um, me more. Compostable plastics um, don't necessarily mean they're going to biodegrade in your trash can or in a landfill. A lot of times, compostable plastics need to go to an industrial compost facility to be able to break down properly. And so many businesses, they've been misled into thinking that if they buy these materials, then they can just go right into the trash and that'll be fine. And so what I want people to know is that these materials need to be sent to a place to be composted. So if you're um, consuming these materials, add them to uh, that local compost pile. Um, I know here in D.C. we have um, farmers markets that will collect your compost for you and those but those compostable plastics, those are great in there. Please throw them in with um, the rest of your food scraps. Um, and businesses that are um, using these as a way to phase out their single-use plastics, mm. please contract a composting company to come and take those away for you. Otherwise, you're not really making much of a swap. Uh, so it's a great solution, but we need to make sure that implementation is occurring in a way that makes sense. And to to kind of add on what Evan said, because you you made a good point about um, there's a lot of misconceptions around you know plastic and um, how we deal with them and like just taking recycling for example. Um, I mean the truth is, I mean the number a while ago was nine percent of all plastic recycled like put in recycling is yeah. actually recycled, right. but it's even less than that. Um, I thought it was eight. I was going to say, but anyway. Um, a lot of it actually gets shipped off to China where they say they recycle it, but it's most likely probably, you know, incinerated. And so the the thing is, is you hear a lot of these, you know, misconceptions and they're true. Like they are discouraging, but I think it also provides opportunity to look at what the real issue is. And it is just the overconsumption of, of using plastics in the first place. 
Um, and so I, I, I think, you know, what we really try to push for at EarthDay.org is just eliminating the use of plastic in the first place where it's possible. Yeah. And certainly in a lot of cases, it is, it's, it's not possible, but, you know, we have to keep working um, in that direction. Yeah. And or um, finding other solutions that are more pragmatic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, take the classic like five R's, for example, right? right. Uh, it starts right. with refuse and it ends with recycle. Uh, at the end of the day, we want to see these products being used less in favor of longer lasting, sustainable alternatives. Um, ones that actually get reused as well. I think that's really important is that the consumer goods that we're using are ones that are vital, relevant, and actually useful. Um, that's for sure. That's for sure. So besides plastics, do you have anywhere on your website where people can learn about this kind of plastics campaign that you guys are doing? Who wants to take it? Who wants to take um, it? Anyone? <laughs> Mueller? We can Mueller? all Okay, I'll, I'll, <laughs> uh, Aiden, go first, because you have all the information on, on plastics. <laughs> If you just go to earthday.org um, and just kind of start picking around our website, you'll find our plastics campaign. It has a list of kind of the toolkits we use, toolkits you can use, and then it links directly to the great global cleanup where you can kind of do your own individual actions, okay. contribute, as well as sign on to our petition to kind of pressure countries, nations, local governments into doing more against plastic. Okay. Well, then we got to go to earthday.org to get, get our stuff. Um, I'll do a couple of posts on it too as we get closer to Earth Day to keep the momentum going. And if, if you that's okay action, with you, <laughs> if you want to take action, um, you can go to EarthDay.org, or if you want to do cleanups, I should say specifically, um, you can go to EarthDay.org for slash cleanups, and we have all the information there you need uh, to learn how to start a cleanup. Mm. Um, and you can also register your cleanup on there, and uh, you know share your results. So we have a global cleanup map. We're adding cleanups that are happening all over the world on there. So if you want to join a cleanup happening in your city, um, likely there's there's one near you on the map. So definitely go check that out. And then, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And I'll tell my community to start adding their stash the trash event yes. into this uh, larger database so that we can have it recorded. Yeah, please do, Seth. We'd love to be able to get our volunteers out to your events and make sure that they're recognized as part of the global effort to clean up this planet. That'd be great. We'd love to do that. That would be great. I will definitely tell my uh, chair of the environmental community <laughs> committee here, I um, should say. So another um, resource that uh, we have here at EarthDay.org that I think a lot of people in this audience might be interested in is our resource to calculate plastics. Um, our plastics calculator shows exactly how large your individual impact is when it comes to your consumption and provides opportunities for you to see just how much of an impact it makes to refuse plastics, say like one day a week, or to eliminate no longer using specific types of plastics. Um, and we find this is a really good educational resource. Um, a lot of classroom teachers and early K-12 education use this to help their students understand what their consumption habits do to this planet. And from there, that really helps push people towards visiting um, the cleanup map that Michael mentioned and getting involved in something bigger than themselves once they see how easy it is to make a difference on a personal level. That's great. This is really like important stuff that people need to be doing on a regular basis. I know my community does it regularly, but many other communities across the country, if not the world, need to be uh, 
stepping up on this stuff. So anything I can do to help get the word out would be, would be great. Um, yes, please put me out of a job. <laughs> yeah, put us all out of a job. <laughs> well, if I put you out of a job, that means that the plastics issue has been resolved. So That's I think you saying. guys will be there for a while. No. Well, I do tree plantings too, so I'm good. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that too, you know, while we're here, because I've got a, uh, I have my own um, global forest that I plant uh, across the country, the globe, I should say. Uh, Evertreen.org is who I work with. And we plant um, 100 trees a month uh, oh. toward it. So I've got about a little over 1,000 or 1,100 trees planted globally and uh, just keeping at it. That's incredible. Yeah. More, than, more than willing to put those on our, uh, our map and kind of keep Yeah, I'll send it over up. to you. <laughs> I'll send over your, uh, the link to Global Forest. And we're going into places this year where um that um are national preserves where it was deforested so it was basically an area that was deforested the country decided to reclaim that property um to reforest it and then we go in there and we pay to plant the trees to forest that area we, we worked in a similar fashion so we find areas that have been affected by either whether it's climate change deforestation um agriculture takeovers and things like that and we try to plant in communities that need it the most our largest tree planting last year was in the senior bonds region of india uh, it's the world's largest mangrove forest we ended up planting two million trees there as well as doing community efforts and working exclusively with women-owned nurseries yeah i don't have two million dollars for that love <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really liked that project in the Sunderbonds, Aiden. Um, the way that it was broken down to me by you and some of our other colleagues um, really amazed me. Like, not only are mangrove trees especially good at sequestering carbon emissions, but they also create these incredible root networks um, that fortify coastlines against the consequences of extreme weather. Um, they create um, these habitats that act as almost like nurseries for um, like aquatic biodiversity. And as a result of that increased biodiversity, that's an increased economic opportunity for the communities that we're planting with. Um, so the intersectionality of the, these mangrove so projects. Mangrove, uh, yes. Um, I'll have to check where I have mangrove trees. Yeah. Mangrove trees are typically all over the world, um, just in warmer climates along riverbeds and along the coast. Yeah, I've got, uh, I think I planted some in Haiti. That makes sense, yep. Yeah, that's a great habitat for them. Um, yeah, it's really fantastic to see the canopy project spread. Um, and it's so easy for people to be able to make an impact with our program. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Aiden, but we often are able to plant trees for as little as a dollar per tree. Um, and that means that planting a forest with us um, is exceptionally easy. Um, even if uh, you're just a kid who wants to throw some lunch money our way, like <laughs> you, you can still plant a grove of trees. Um, <laughs> and with me. Yeah, I'm about the same, about a buck of trees, so it's great. Yeah, it's great, Seth. I'm glad you've been able to find a way to make that work as well. Um, because yeah, we'll there's really to, uh, to make all of our, you know, things work together. That'll be 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're here to support each other. Um, there's really no limit to the number of trees that this world needs. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been talking yeah. about uh, reforestation now for the past 15 to 17 years now. So um, to say the least, this is a prevalent issue. Yeah, it's an issue that <laughs> it kind of everybody seemed to stop thinking about it about five years ago when oil seemed to be the major issue. But now we're realizing that it's, you know, two ongoing issues that won't stop right. unless action's taken. Absolutely. Well, it's like um, we've been triangulated in the sense that there have been many, there are many different fronts that we need to handle all at once <laughs> to deal with the climate crisis. So, uh, planting trees, saving, pl you know, getting rid of plastics, you know, cleaning our air, better cars, better energy, all that kind of stuff is is all part of this uh, larger mix of things. But you're um, in tackling two of the major issues which are plastics and forests right now so that's those are pretty important things yeah. and it gets um uh, because it's like you said there's so many fronts we're fighting on yeah. um and it can yeah. get overwhelming uh so you know anyone out there who just like feels that i mean the term is eco-anxiety but it's just i mean it's, it's just it's tough dealing with it all um, so anyone out there who's like, you know, dealing with that and feeling overwhelmed, just, just take it one step at a time, do one thing at a time, you know, by yourself, you can't solve the, the crisis, but you can go clean up your street. Once again, I'm shouting out my own program, but yeah. <laughs> shout out to the program. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael, um, you're right that, um, it's important to be mindful of that and eco-anxiety can get the best of anyone. Um, myself included about a year ago, um, I was really wondering like what the future was going to look like given all of these fronts that we're fighting on. Um, and last year's IPCC report, I think illuminated some things that were really inspiring to me. Um, not only did it show that, um, the global economy is more moving towards a sustainable future through, say, over the last decade, solar panels becoming 10 times cheaper than they were before, wind turbines three times cheaper, and batteries um, becoming 90-something percent cheaper over the last three decades. Yep. Uh, but the IPCC report also showed that the last, last decade of climate action has put humanity on a path forward that we can reasonably rule out some of the most extreme impacts of climate, say like human extinction. Um, through the, well, yeah, that's good. I don't want to like die unless uh, I'm dying, you know, from you know old age. But you know, I don't need something else to throw in the mix. <laughs> right. Like um, a climate apocalypse is largely off the table after just the last ten years of climate action. If we continue at this rate, and that's not necessarily to say that we're on track for a eco utopia yet. Yeah. Um, there's still a lot of really horrible impacts, especially on frontline communities and in the global south, that we really need to fight to avoid. Um, but I think this goes to show that taking action matters and makes a difference. And that if we were able to get this far, then there's no reason why we can't cross that finish line, live in a plastic-free, carbon-free future, one in which everybody is given the opportunity not just to survive, but also thrive. Um, it's possible and whenever the world feels overwhelming just know that we're making an impact we're all working together and i think that there's a future that we can look forward to as long as we don't give up well that's the main thing is never giving up 
always believing in hope and always believing that the changes that we can make together will have a longer uh, impact than our lives. Uh, you know, I always say to people, the forests that I'm planting, most likely I will now never see all of those trees uh, in my in physical form. I mean, uh, <clears throat> they have a great software program where I can see it via satellite, but I'll not be there. So uh, we need to start thinking like that regularly um, and collectively um, toward um, leaving a better planet than we, we, we got when we, when we were born. So Yeah, um, you nailed it, Seth. Uh, the hallmark of a healthy and thriving civilization is when people plant trees for shade that they'll never see. Um, and um, I just got back from an environmental conference in Hawaii where I worked with some partners who are going to help us plan over 800 events for 20,000 plus volunteers. Um, and one, one of the speakers leading this effort, um, I love the way that they put it, that um, we borrow nature from the next generation. Um, yeah. and, uh, it's, it's not here for us, but rather we're just one moment in time. Um, and that these are systems that are going to have to serve humanity for far longer than we could ever see or perceive um, with our own lifetimes. So we're all together, not just all of us living here now, but all of humanity. Um, and living sustainably is one of the greatest um, legacies that you can leave um, for our civilization. Yeah, I mean, uh, I want my kids to have grandkids and their kids to have grandkids. So we need a planet to be able to do that. And as my mother always said, um, without clean air, you don't have politics. So all these people that are, you know, making all these decisions and all that stuff. Uh, if you can't breathe, we got a problem, folks. So uh, th there's a lot of work to be done. And that's why I love reforestation so that we can breathe a little bit more. Um, yeah. Um, and we can't just um, rely on reforestation in order to breathe. But we also have to protect the forests that are here right now. Amen. Um, our global forests are one of the greatest if not the greatest asset we have for carbon sequestration and for clean air um, and when we plant new trees there that's an investment um in when it comes to carbon sequestration um we don't see full drawdown for those trees for decades right um, and so the most important natural um like air quality and carbon resources that we have are those fully mature trees that are still standing today uh, and without active protection of those old growth forests, then we're putting ourselves in even greater danger um, here. And yes. so, yeah, it's a it's a two pronged approach, right? Protect what we already have, increase our future stock of forests, and those two things working in conjunction eventually lead to the results that we want to see. That's right. That's right. Without question. So uh, this Earth Day is definitely. Um, toward the plastics and, and the trees without question. Um, it seems like you guys have, uh, are clearly tackling two of our most biggest issues facing our climate nowadays and our, our world. So I applaud you. I support you. Uh, I will write stories about this in my webs on my website. You now got the podcast. Um, but for those people out there, I'm just going to wrap up by saying what I always say which is Green Living Guys, small step, one small step at a time, is today going to earthday.org. 
<clears throat> learning how you can get involved in a cleanup on Earth Day or uh, planting trees or doing anything that you feel that uh, EarthDay.org can help you because uh, they're here to support us, uh, it, which is great. And um, EarthDay.org is the place that, that we've always known to go for uh, gearing up for next month, for April, and for Earth Month. And I call it my Super Bowl month. So uh, as we're gearing up, go to my NFL, which is uh, EarthDay.org. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're like my National Football League. So uh, you'll want to go there and uh, hear what they're doing. And uh, hopefully they'll have a better halftime show than... Uh, <laughs> That's some others, but uh, uh, I, I am appreciative of what you guys are doing. I really love it, and uh, my goal here is to support you and, and amplify what you're doing so that we get the message out clearly uh, to my listeners and people all over the world. So that's what we're all here for. Absolutely, um, and with your support, I'm pretty sure that climate's going to win the Super Bowl. I think we're going to win this Super Bowl. Yeah, we're going to win <laughs> All right. So, thank All right. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Green Living Guy Show with your host, Seth Lightman. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.